out there in the Star Trek Adventures universe and beyond. I'm Michael Dismuke with Continuing Conversations. Of course, I'm a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG, in addition to being a blogger on Continuing uh, Missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures, uh, trying to keep it alive. And it's not just me, of course. We always have our wonderful co-host, Jim Johnson. Introduce yourself. Yep. Hey, everybody. Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG published by Modifius Entertainment, co-host on this here production, and super excited to be here as always. And tonight we have a special guest, Michael Freeman. Please introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Michael Freeman, and I am a player. You might recognize me uh, inside the Facebook groups. Uh, I've also contributed to Continuum Missions. We did our homebrew um, uh, advancement rules, as well as... Uh, a article on the Last Unicorn Games uh, pre pre generated crew and uh, yeah um, and also in my background I've worked at uh, various pop culture companies so I've worked at uh, both at DC Comics and Marvel so we'll have a, a lot of cool game stores to shout out. Uh, <laughs> awesome, great. wonderful. In fact, in fact. I have to say one of the proudest things Michael Freeman does in my universe is on the USS Pioneer, the hat that Jim Johnson is wearing, Michael Freeman is the doctor, Dr. Chad Simon. You want to tell us a little bit about that character? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, I, I didn't create him. It was a uh, pre-generated supporting cast uh, that was already there. And uh, Michael, uh, he just asked me, you, you want to play a counselor. We have a, an opening in our game. You want to choose a, a character. So I just went through the, the uh, tons of characters that are in the Pioneer uh, support staff uh, roster. And, well, who did I choose? But Chad Simon, who is played by Chadwick Boseman. So I get to be Black Panther. Awesome. Uh, and uh, I kind of uh, took a little bit of uh, um, artistic license while going in that direction. So uh, from, from being a counselor, uh, he then, because he was actually a uh, MD, PhD, uh, which also qualified him for, for being a medical doctor as well. And uh, the doctor on board, the pioneer, Dr. Ga. Uh, made an untimely death, and um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was a bold, it was a bold sacrifice. And what's funny is this t actually ties into what our subject is today, because it's kind of about leveling up. And what's funny on the USS Pioneer, our first counselor ended up becoming the chief science officer. Our second counselor, well, actually, technically, our third counselor. Uh, Dr. Simon ended up becoming the chief medical officer. Um, and, and we get a lot of talk on social media about leveling up. Jim, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what you hear and some of the questions you get, because it seems like every single Twitch I see you on, someone might ask the question about it. So tell, <laughs> tell us what, what, and I have Q behind me. And so we're talking about leveling up tonight. What's our premise for bringing that up? 
Yeah, well, I think it's, if I'm remembering the, pre the premise of this one right, it's that uh, um, a lot of gamers, of course, especially in this day and age, a lot of gamers are getting their start in the, in the hobby via Dungeons & Dragons, right? And Dungeons & Dragons has a very specific game experience. You, you gain experience points, you level up, you gain additional abilities when you level up, and you continue to grind as, through the game in that, in that process. A lot of other games have level systems where you're gaining some form of experience points and gaining incremental levels and stuff, right? I mean, it's, it's true for a lot of different games out there. They may not call them levels, but you're still gaining some level of XP or, or some form of point bonus, and you are incrementally gaining skills. You see this in a ton of video games. You see this in a ton of pen and paper RPGs. It's not a, it's not a new concept by this point. I mean, it's been 40 years since D&D came out, right? So it's, it's been around a while. And so the most common questions I see are from new people coming into Star Trek and their only gaming experience is D&D. So they're like, okay, so now I want to play Star Trek. What's, how's the game compared to D&D? How do I level up? How do I improve my character? And uh, not, that I, not that I do it intentionally, but like every time I see that question, it's always a deep breath and a slow let out. And then I try to answer the question very politely. <laughs> yeah. And plus, for the people who are coming even over from Star Trek Online, yeah. which is a huge leveling up game, mm -hmm. and they're wanting to come over to Star Trek Adventures, it's a little bit different. And Michael, you brought up this subject. I was like, oh, we got to have you on the show because, you know, as someone who's ran games and played games, um, your perspective was, was really cool when we were having this conversation on it. So what's your take on um, how the leveling up question gets presented to us? Yeah, uh, I should also talk about a, a little bit of my GM experience. Uh, my play group, you know, live play, uh, we have done all the adventures in the Shackleton Expanse. We have done all the adventures in These Are the Voyages, and we've done all the adventures in the Strange New World, as well as um, the standalone adventures that have come out. So you could say that my group, we played a lot. Um, and so I'm going to sort of throw this back to, um, we started with the original, uh, version of, of advancement as presented in the core rulebook. And a lot of my players in my live play group, they saw the milestone and they said, wait, we have to vote on this. Uh, maybe that's not right for, for this group. And then the Klingon, well, actually, I should say before that, that's where I came up with my article for advancement, um, who was done with a, a co-player. Um, and so we, we sort of looked at it that way. And then um, the Klingon core rulebook came out, and that was the, the next level of character advancement. And, oh boy, did that really open things up for my live play group. Uh, because it, it felt more Roddenberry-like. And what do I mean by that? It's because it was the development of the character. You started out with a character, right? But as you went through this process, you actually, it wasn't a gaining of, of power. It was a gaining a, of an understanding of the character. And you do that by playing into the values of the character. And that's what really unlocked uh, that level up system. Yeah. Other, well, oh, but before yeah. you go on to the other thing, what I liked about that too, just for those who maybe are new to the system or are hearing it for the first time, whereas um, 
he talked about milestones where at the end of each adventure, people may or may not get a milestone depending on if they challenge their values. And then people were voting for who got the spotlight milestone in the system um, that's proposed in the Klingon core rule book. If you do mission logs or a narrative, then you're participating in creating the story and that can earn you that milestone where you can make certain changes to your characters, whether it's swap out focuses, swap out talents, attribute, discipline, redistribution. So um, to Michael's point on that first point, I'm saying Michael and Michael on the first point is that everyone I felt was kind of sharing in with the story with that one. And my players used it a lot where they start creating mission logs, which I thought was cool. All right, Michael, your next point. My mute button is going crazy because um, I have a, a small dog. So I just want to be kind to our listeners who go sensory overload while I'm listening to this. But the dog has been good so far. Um, yeah. So um, unraveling the character and leveling up. Uh, so one of the things that you also really start to realize about a starting Star Trek adventure character is that they are uber competent. They are so competent and so well-rounded at everything. Um, and that's why unraveling the character becomes more important. Um, and understanding and adapting to the story as it develops. Uh, all of a sudden, you have a security officer that's like, huh, maybe I need more science. Maybe... Uh, maxing out my security maybe wasn't the, the best thing. Now there's optimizing and then there's maximizing. And I think, you know, there's two things with this game. You have the story, right? And then you have the actual game mechanics where you're, you know, it's still a game, uh, but you still have the, the story. And I think the maximizing a character is not always the best storytelling for Star Trek adventures because the characters are so good already. And I recently did a comparison between Fallout 2D20 system, which has a level one through 20, 21 progression. And you compare a starting character in Fallout 2D20 to a Star Trek adventures character and and of course, you know, Nathan could, uh, the designer could uh, verify this or not, or he could disagree or, but, you know, the back of the envelope math for me says that a Star Trek Adventures character is starting out in that system about level 10 to 15. So you are really, really on point. So uh, you really have a lot of the tools as a starting character to go ahead and it's unraveling the story of your character. Yeah, and it's nice to hear from your experience too. We had an interview with Nathan Dowdell where he talked about that coming in and that it's designed so you're move, coming right into a TV show or a movie with these well-rounded characters. So whereas like in the Q picture, the point of playing Star Trek Adventures is not to come in and end up being Q, even though William Riker had the opportunity. <laughs> It's really to live the narrative of who this character is and roll out that drama. What do you think about that, Jim? No, I agree. I think um, I think Nathan's intent from the very beginning was to look at the whole spread of Star Trek that was out at the time. And this was, you know, this was five years ago. This is a pre-new Trek, right? So this is before Discovery, before Picard, et cetera. And, uh, you know, 
by and large, every major character on every single show is shown from the very beginning to be very competent at their job. You know, whether they're a captain or an ensign or somewhere in between, or they're a civilian like Quark or Odo or Neelix or Kess, they've all got, they're all good at something. And power level wise, like when we were talking about game mechanics, there's not really that much difference between them. Um, it, what's, what's really different between them though is what kind of Michael was uh, alluding to is it's their character, it's their values, it's what makes them them. Their life experiences is what, is what makes them different. And uh, I've had this argument. I know we've talked about this in the past, um, Michael. <laughs> that uh, um, you know, like I, I like to look at Kirk, right? And if you look at Kirk from like the beginning of the original series all the way to when he dies in Generations, like statistically, he's probably not really that different. Um, his values have changed absolutely, and his focuses have probably changed over the times. But like in terms of the numbers, I mean, the number spread on on STA is pretty small as it is, right? I mean, your, your attributes max out at 12 and then your disciplines max out at five, except in extraordinary circumstances where maybe you would go one beyond that or something if you put that much time into the game and you gain enough milestones and whatnot. But uh, so statistically, he hasn't changed much, and I'm sure they'll get some pushback from that from fans saying, oh, no, no, Picard, you know, Kirk's much more powerful in Generations than he was in uh, you know, the Man Trap, but like, I don't see it. I don't see it on the screen. Like, he's not stronger. He's not right. faster. He's not better at certain <laughs> things. He's just got different different things going on in his head than he did 30, 40 years ago. And right. uh, I, I think um, I think the original um, <laughs> the, the original uh, advancement system was good, but the the new one I thought hit Star Trek Adventures better. I think it did a better job of really getting into the characters and giving people opportunities to to change their character in that in that respect. Let's use Kirk actually as an example. So again, if you're a new player, I, I think this is a perfect one because we, we saw him in the original series where he has Starfleet protocol, where he has lead by example, perhaps. Maybe he has composure. I, I wouldn't say composure. He almost has this presence about him. You know, maybe a little intimidation, maybe a little bit on Klingon tactics. You know, we see that in the first series, but then going to your point, when, when, he's, when we see him last in generations, um, you know, we're seeing things like gravitas, like his reputation alone maybe could be a talent in the game. Maybe it's not a focus, but maybe he has some sort of talent that shows that when he steps into a room, not only does he intimidate Klingons and maybe get an extra dice toward that, maybe other Starfleet characters are more likely to fall in line with his direction. So he gets a bonus to commander presence, you know? So that's where you see the shifts in character um, in Star Trek. So I think Kirk's like an excellent example um, for what, I'm not going to say leveling up for what, and I only want to say advancement for what transformation is in Star Trek adventures, you know, as a game. And I think that the Klingon rules and and also the revised uh, tricorder set rules as it for Starfleet characters is what I think you're, you're talking about is uh, inside that system. You can add traits as you level up. Mm. And to me, this traits is a, is a beautiful thing because it's just, a sentence or a word and it's just intimidating and that yeah. can make a plus or minus when people come in or if he has to interact yeah and, that's true living legend like living legend would living be legend for captain kirk like, right i would say right after probably you know right after we see him coming uh in star trek the movie that's probably where i would add living legend yeah. he's already an admiral yeah and he's one of the yeah. few captains to actually survive being a captain on a constitution class ship 
Yeah. And that and that trait can be used positively, but also Klingons want to take him out because he's a living legend. So it could be used negatively too. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, you know, as I as I listen to you and as I've been thinking about you know products that we've recently done and are working on, I, I think we I think we haven't pushed traits hard enough as a thing that you can do to really differentiate your character. And I think I want to I want to push that a little bit more here soon. Uh, just because like exactly right both of you <laughs> you're talking about kirk striding onto the bridge of the enterprise b like it was clear that uh, captain harriman was was like intimidated or like oh shit i got kirk on my on my bridge and half my stuff's not going to be here until tuesday how am i going to put up with this and then and then of course a crisis occurs so like i'm thinking you know kirk's definitely got a, i mean you, you were saying michael that he might have a talent but he could just as easily just have a bunch of traits living legend the weight of experience you know, yeah. um, you know, or maybe even his, maybe his, maybe his, one of his traits is, you know, I'm Kirk, right? I mean, that there's so much weight built into that after, you know, 30 odd mm -hmm. years of experience. Like this is Captain James T. Kirk. This is the Kirk. This is, this is the, that, that captain, that, that guy. Right. So. Uh, yeah. And you really see it play out in Wrath of Khan. I mean, in yeah. Wrath of Khan that dragged him down so deep, um, right. you know? So yeah, that, that, so again, for, you know, those who are thinking about, leveling up it's really about developing your character to be more interesting i think one of the things i know that we do a lot on our game um is we spend i don't know michael what would you say our percentage is 30 to 40 percent on telling backstory for mm -hmm. most of our games where i'm like okay we're playing this adventure but i'm gonna put two characters together have them talk about the backstory and hopefully we find a creative way to have made that a um foreshadowing of something that's going to happen in act two or act three yeah, uh, yeah, you do that or did that a lot. Um, uh, yeah, there was this great scene where you know there was a bunch of trauma that happened to the doctor, uh, my character, and um, he decided to actually he was taking time as the the pioneer was uh, being repaired after the Shackleton Expanse adventure, and he had to really decide if. He was going to stay on Earth in Iceland uh, with taking, you know, this practice that he started uh, or was a part of um, until, you know, one of the other characters, our Tellarite uh, chief science officer, uh, came in to like sort of re-recruit him. And we actually had a little bit of, uh, you know, back and forth. Little did we know that that conflict was going to replay itself uh, later on in a rather uh, uh, hallucinetic. No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> Some but people anyway, if, if you want to, uh, when you get Utopia Planitia, it's a mission brief. So uh, there you go. You know. Um, in, in same line too, while, while we're talking about milestones, I think we want to talk about reputation. Right. So there's these reputation rules that I do know that in our in our game, we've tossed it out because really the story is letting you know what Starfleet thinks about these people, vice versa. Michael, were you using reputation in your mini games? Yeah, um, not not as much, but it sometimes it would come into a factor. It would let me know as a GM what the bad guys thought of them. Uh, especially once it was revised and it was pretty easy to to get uh, and to just see it see it right there. The old rules had it too, but the 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 current ones definitely was a just a GM guide to sort of say, 
oh, this is the this is the badass, or this is the guy I should be watch at, watching out for. So it was a, it was a bit of active listening on on my part as a GM, and I shouldn't say active listening because the players weren't saying anything. It was I was taking in their character sheets, looking at it, seeing uh, how how they behaved with that reputation. Did it affect their their character at all? Were they playing into it? Um, but I, I rarely had players that would put points into reputation. I had, I had, uh, actually I, I have two that did decide to do it because <laughs> when you play with those rules, you can get more medals, uh, and renown, um, with it. So back to what I was saying about optimization, sometimes it's still, still a little bit of a game. So you do want your character, even though that they're super competent. You want to round them out. Yeah, I think there has to be a conversation with your players, too, that if what I found early when I was using reputation, it was really easy to gain because I, as a game master, had not mastered challenging their values or the directives in the game. So I didn't push them hard enough where maybe they had to make hard decisions, losing reputation maybe with Starfleet, but they still, in a sense, save the day. There's a complexity to that. Um, Jim, I don't know if you heard anything about that or see any controversy about the reputation rules in that aspect? Mm, not really any controversy. I, I think um, I've, I've read anecdotally, uh, some groups uh, really use the reputation and, uh, and, and related rules quite a bit to the point where they're asking for more, more advice on like, what else can my players do with these points, right? They bought all the medals, they bought all the promotions. What else can they do with these points that they're accumulating just by the sake of playing the game? And I never really had a good answer for them because, because it, it, like, and I know I'll probably sound like a terrible line manager, but uh, I don't use them myself for most of my groups. Like for most of my groups, like playing the game is reward enough. They don't need a carrot to, to do the next thing, right? They're just playing the game and uh, promotions and awards and accolades happen organically within the game, just based on circumstances, based on what they do or based on what comes up in the game. So I've never really had to think about, oh, did you actually, you know, earn that promotion by spending enough points or whatever? Or did you earn that medal just by, you know, spending the points? Or did it actually happen in game because of stuff you did or didn't do or whatever? Um, but for other game groups where if if I have a session zero with them and say, okay, you know, what what draws you to a game? Like what kind of rewards do you expect? Is is just playing the game enough? Do you need, do you need to have like XP or milestones or bonuses or um, awards that you can actually buy and do stuff with. Like, is like, is that important to you? And then I'd have that conversation and then I would probably use the reputation rules, et cetera. Uh, but from the general, like gestalt of gamers out there, um, I think a lot of groups just aren't using the rules, uh, which is fine, right? Cause uh, like it's a tool, it's a toolkit, use the tools that work for you and, and don't use the ones that don't. Um, and then there's, other, and then on the other side of the spectrum is the folks that say, we're using them all the time. We've got more points to spend and we don't know what to spend them on. So what are we doing? So, uh, um, you know, yeah. you can't please everybody. If I can interject there, because that, right. that did happen, because I uh, some of my players are, again, optimizers. So they're looking for, for the best one. Uh, and the, eventually it went, well, there's not enough. Well, what can I do? Well, I said, it says here in the, in the, in the rules that you can create a trait or you can create a favor or you can create something. So again, it's about developing the character with those extra points. It's it's uh, like yeah. my science officer, he he wanted 
somebody to talk to about uh, 20th century movies. And so he just created a contact. It wasn't supporting cast. It was, that was his trait. He had somebody on Narendra Station who knew about 20th century movies. And then I had another guy, uh, another player who said, owed a favor by the intelligence officer on Narendra. Uh, so there, there were just like little things to... Um, I like that. Yeah, that, yeah, I really like that. I didn't even think about that, Michael. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I feel like a mean GM now because ours is like they literally saved the galaxy and got no promotions, no medals because it was in the middle of a political controversy. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, so, so now I'm like, oh, oh I should have at least given. None of my players have been promoted. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I know somebody's going to say, no, you, we got a promotion. That's right. He went to, he became a commander. Uh, so at the end of uh, the Shackleton Expanse, uh, the captain, uh, the so I have an NPC captain, and well, that's a, another topic for us to get into. But um, you know, finally, the 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 P one of the PCs was like, okay, I think our group has gelled enough that we sort of feel and now i'm saying this and they're going to be like no we haven't um (laughs) the biggest the biggest compliment i always hear about people who play star trek adventures is it's like the tv show so when you compare it to the tv shows there were not a lot of promotions during the episodic runs i can remember a couple and i feel like with tng there were more because i feel like we came in at a time when everyone was getting super polished so in year two three we see everyone gets bumped up and swift um switched around in position so that was something there but generally if you think about the tv shows and the movies there aren't rank changes in those right that's not star trek really right i think uh, i think uh, now i'd have to go back and remember but i think jordy might be the one character who got promoted the most i think he went from lieutenant jg to lieutenant to lieutenant commander over the run of next gen and i think maybe Worf got promoted from lieutenant jg to lieutenant and then became lieutenant commander once he switched over to ds9 yes um, and, so and, let's, there, and let's not forget the the biggest well not yeah well besides nod okay now that we're thinking about it uh how did cisco start out he was commander he was commander, all, yeah he right. became captain well then well, he, he, he became, became god prophet right. <laughs> <laughs> he, he got the big promotion he got the big yeah. promotion yeah absolutely yeah. I mean, Wesley Crusher had, he went from cadet ensign to lieutenant, right? Junior. And then he became, and then then he became a traveler. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So there is some leveling up. Okay. So so there, but we'll notice that it happens to to one or two characters per per episode. And even in ours, we we had a character level up. It was a Bajoran science Mm -hmm. officer who ended up also becoming a prophet. Right. So it, it can happen, but it, I think it has to be designed into the story because if everyone levels up, who's going to run the ship? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, tangentially, I, I just want to add, um, you know, Michael, uh, that is such a cool thing. Like as a game master, I just love it when players take ownership of their characters and their character development and that they're actually intentional about creating traits, creating contacts, creating other characters that they can interact with. Because that makes your job so much easier as a game master, right? Like, like when a player says, I'm going to give you this 10-page backstory because I'm enthusiastic about the game and I'm enthusiastic about my character. And you may never use it, but that's okay. But here, here's 10 pages of backstory. And then as the game progresses, they're like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of bored. I want to have a point of contact who can talk to me about 20th century, you know, chess moves. And I want, you know, 
it only happened like maybe once a season or maybe once every five episodes or something. But that that gives a that gives a player a little bit of a little bit of bite in the game. They have a little bit of ownership of the game, and it's not just the game master dictating to the players what's happening in the universe. Right, the players get to own a little piece of it, and I just I love it when when a player takes it upon themselves to do that. Like I, I know that sometimes I've had a group where I've had to kind of like prod people to create stuff. Be creative. Don't just wait for me to give you stuff to do. You know, be proactive and do it. And then they then they start to do it in little drifts and drives and they see that I'm not going to punish them for it or I'm not going to just arbitrarily kill their favorite NPC just because, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could because now they've given me that re- they've given me a reason to get my hooks into them. And uh, you know, there's nothing better than creating a cool NPC and then torturing the players with it. Oh, they've been kidnapped. Now what do you do? Or 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 they're sick. But now what do you do? And you know, there's all kinds of things you can do to screw with them without yeah. necessarily taking it away. You know, but I just I love the fact that you have a group that is willing to to take that step. So I guess if I had a piece of advice for any players watching this, do, go for it. Be proactive. Do stuff. Help your game master. Be an awesome player, and 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 be willing to throw your ideas out there. Because the worst that can happen is the game master will say maybe and something else but we've been training the game masters to say yes and so if you say if you if you're a player and you come up with a cool idea your game master is probably going to say yes and and then you've got an even more rich game experience uh, going out after that so don't yeah. be afraid of this. Yeah. and yeah to, to build on that uh the, the game is really set for players to be bold um and to help make things happen uh, and the game mechanics actually tell you this because why else would they subtract a one momentum per scene, right? Mm-hmm. So that tells you that you have to be doing something because, and when you have that resource, you mm-hmm. should use it. If you're not finishing a scene at zero momentum, right, then you didn't make things happen. I, sh- I shouldn't say, you know, uh, but you're not using the system to, to make things happen. You're not being bold enough. And, yeah. the, and the talents really play into that. And, um, you know, and the GM using threat. Uh, this is part of what I love about this system is that deceptively simple, hugely complex in the way that yeah. once you start getting into it, how the mechanics self-regulate itself, mm-hmm. it creates a, a wonderful dramatic storytelling mechanic that you can just watch the momentum and threat levels uh, raise and fall. You can get a real sense of how things are are going story wise as a GM. And we're not going to talk about, we're going to talk about that next episode, more oh. about threat for sure. <laughs> but I don't want to get too deep into that. What I want to say, you're talking about the advancement of bringing characters into the game compared to other games. Again, I've never played D&D, but I played Marvel TSR for 30 years. And I felt bad for players who were coming into the game later because while everyone else's characters are all these, you know, high level superheroes, they roll out a character and they really get overshown coming in to join the team. They always come in as the rookie, the new hero, the low level hero. That doesn't happen in Star Trek Adventures. Even if you swap out and you join someone's experienced gaming group like Michael did with us, he joined in, I think in the fourth season, the beginning of the fourth season, boom instantaneously there's no explanation needed that this person is a professional because um, at this point now it's just everyone getting to know 
that character. And so as a good GM, what you do, especially in the episodic format, when you have new characters come on board, you give them two or three episodes that stars them as a, as a focused character. And the seasoned characters are not going to fade away. They're too rooted into the story and the ship. So this game enables you to bring someone in new, center a couple stories around them. In fact, a lot of the modules and mission briefs tell you which ones are leaning towards certain type of officers. So you could handpick that for your new player. And it gives them a, a way better uh, introduction into the game. Yeah, and uh, also to, to build on that, um, some of the other things that I see in our Facebook group is about uh, min-maxing, which is a, a uh, I guess, a D&D uh, type of idea. It's because you really, you're, those characters are so specialized. But as we talked about just before was that you have to be real, well-rounded. And it, you can, with a starting character, you can have the maxed out stat to begin with. You're not going to be good at anything else. But um, I shouldn't say not good. You won't be as well-rounded. I think that is part of the, the key to uh, this game is that if you specialize in that one thing and you just go straight in on it, um, you're going to miss out on playing opportunities. You're just going to nod out and say, well, I'm the marksman. This is a science mission. Okay. And then you're going to say, how come I'm not having any fun? Or <laughs> um, you're the, right, the only time, there's only two roles uh, that, that really you can get, get sort of away with that. And that is the science engineer and possibly the, the command captain, uh, command character. Mm -hmm. But um, even then, this game encourages you to be well-rounded. And at a certain point, having a 12 and a 5 in something, it doesn't make that much of a difference. It's about you looking to see how you can participate in solving the, the, uh, the problem at hand. And um, sorry, I'm going to go on one a little bit longer because I listened to the Delta Flyers podcast. <laughs> so and, you, and you always hear uh, Robert Duncan McNeil, right? And he, when he talks about what makes a good Voyager episode, he's like, the cast has to, has to I, I really rate it high when the cast is doing a lot. And everyone has something to do in the, in the show. It doesn't leave right. anyone out. Yeah. Yeah. And he says that a lot. And uh, just to show how much this game emulates the show, I feel that's the same way, especially in a RPG, because we're, we're all there together. Uh, if we're sitting there live, right? Um, if not enough people have things to do, you just get people that are like, phone, phone time. Mm -hmm. Oh, you need that thing unlocked? Oh, it's a computer virus? Oh, medical emergency. Here I am. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so. Yeah, I always I always will say, uh, you know, let's remember that uh, Dr. McCoy helped arm the torpedo with Spock in a undiscovered country. So he didn't oh, I'm a doctor. I can't do it. He had good <laughs> hands. That was the point. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah, so that's, 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 that's just a key for a good game master and a good group, right? Like, uh, if you want to be, you know, the the player that that focuses on literally one thing, that's fine, right? Just you know, just be ready for your game master to 
to pull the classic Star Trek trick and make you the fish out of water, right? You may be the super marksman, but guess what? You just crash landed on a planet and now you need to be the medical officer, right? And he's not doing it, or the game master's not doing it to punish you because you don't have the right skill set. It's just like, this could happen, right? You're you're in a situation and now all of a sudden, I mean, the, um, uh, the, the next gen episode disaster was a perfect example, right? They put, everybody was a fish out of water. Picard was stuck in a turbo lift full of kids. He hates kids, or he hated kids at the time. Uh, Worf was stuck, you know, having to give uh, help uh, Keiko uh, give birth, right? It's like this is classic Star Trek. I mean, this is classic storytelling stuff, right? But so, like, you know, you know, certainly, you know, go ahead and make yourself a min-max character, specialize in one thing, but be prepared to, uh, you know, have your character be forced to grow and change over the course of the of the campaign because you're going to get those milestones and. Maybe you need to diversify a little bit, you know, because you're you're not going to be able to just sit there and say, oh, you know, there's no marksmanship stuff to do. I'm just going to I want to check out. You know, we've, and plus, we've, you know, we've got supporting characters that you can play and, and be involved in the game. Right. So, yeah. well, heck, we found out that Dr. Simon of the USS Pioneer is one heck of a hacker. So <laughs> now he uses his hacking skills all day long. And that doesn't mean medical hacking. That means computer hacking. Right, and let's not forget uh, from uh, Tyler Attica's uh, adventure, where he did the he led the um, the the free drop. Uh, oh yeah, in space onto that is still one of the craziest things that, that I've funny. seen in uh, in an RPG. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. I I was the GM and and a player, and that was I think I, I referred to this before as my multi universe experience. Uh, that's cool he does he gets to play both modules one as a player and one in gm for many of these which is a great experience all right so let's have one last go around sum it up we were talking about leveling up and advancement in star trek adventures what's the lesson you want people to take away let's start with you michael you brought up the subject yeah um again you don't have to you can definitely optimize your character look for uh good builds as a character to make yourself effective, but also realize that you don't have to pour everything into one combo. Mm -hmm. And uh, you should be open to opportunities. And again, the game is character growth. And it's by un unraveling what makes your character tick. What is the human experience? How is the adventure um, affecting your character and how do you use your character affect the adventure and uh good good my advice is going to be every episode you play we, we call them episodes but every module you play every mission you play with your group as a player impress us by bringing in something from the backstory that enriches the current character and gives your fellow players and game masters a new perspective on your character. And to me, that's real character development and advancement in Star Trek Adventures. Jim, what's yours? Uh, I would just say, look beyond the numbers. Uh, the, the Watch the show. The, the show's about the characters, and the characters are all about drama, interpersonal relationships, teamwork, team building, et cetera. And you can't quantify that by a, by a statistics. So, uh, you know, be willing to be creative and uh, create um, a well-rounded character, uh, just like you are in real life, and, um, and then have fun. Have fun with exactly. your group. 
All right, good. So now we get to go out with gratitude as we always do. I know that my habit is to always shout out a local brick and mortar, not local. It can be anywhere on the planet, a brick and mortar. Um, and uh, so I'll go ahead and get started. And then Michael will let you do your shout out that you want to do. Um, we have Al Spader, who actually happens to be our commanding officer, uh, our uh, first officer awesome. on the Pioneer, is uh, shouting out quarterstaff games in Burlington. Vermont. So, uh, hey there, quarterstaff games. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, selling, selling hard copies to people because we know that what you do matters. Michael, who do you want to shout out? Oh boy, do I do I? I have a list, but I will go with uh, the the New York City area since that is where I am from. So, uh, I guess I'll start with uh, one of the faves, Jim Hanley's Universe, uh, out in Staten Island. We have Forbidden Planet, Midtown Comics. Um, yeah, boy, Midtown Comics, all of the Midtown Comics. Mm -hmm. And of course, this may uh, also be Jim's store, uh, but we have in New York City, The Complete Strategist. Uh, if you ever want to go to a game store that has about uh, almost 50 years of RPG products, all shrunk down into a New York City apartment size uh, space. The complete strategist uh, is is it. Um, That's the second time we've heard them mentioned. Yeah, but on, on this, it's a good shout out. Fantastic. Thank you, Michael, for joining us. Jim, your uh, shout out. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll probably sound self serving. I don't mean it to, but I want to thank all of our guests that have been on this show for the last year, year plus, whatever. Um, every time I talk to someone, even if I know them well, or if it's somebody fairly new to me, um, I always learn something new about the game and about what people are thinking about it. And it gives me bigger ideas about things that we could be doing differently or more better of or et cetera. So I, I always appreciate that feedback. Um, sometimes it's hard to, uh, to be in the role that I'm in because I don't always get the opportunity to get a lot of feedback about like, how's the game actually working or how's the game actually going? And uh, how how is the, what's the ear on the street, you know, <laughs> in terms of like how, how these mechanics are working or not working and stuff. And so I love the opportunity to have guests on the show to kibitz and talk about and and uh, riff. And uh, Michael, I think I really appreciate you being here because you've given me just a mountain of great ideas. I've been taking notes all episode long about things to think about. So thank you for being here. Really appreciate you uh, you joining us. I want to say we may have to give Michael Freeman uh, our first official no prize for playing through the most modules ever. <laughs> and not just once, but sometimes twice. So, so yeah. I think, Michael Freeman, I think you earned my my first uh, no prize. That's awesome because there's no shortage. I mean, we've, we've published so much stuff. I'm, I'm glad that you've done so much of it. So thank you. All right. So with that, uh, signing off from continuing conversations until next time we're gonna have some really cool subjects again digging into the rules of the game and i can't begin to tell you some of the shows uh, that we have coming up for you in the future i won't do any spoilers here so until next time idic be safe be well live long and prosper we'll talk to you all next time